Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cape Town, a superhero podcast about superhero things. This episode is brought to you by nothing. I don't have it. What if we had a spot? What if I just dropped that on you all of a sudden? I was like, I was so excited. This episode is brought to you by, by us. It's still just us out of the goodness of our hearts. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Christian Blood. I'm Hannah Mazel. And I'm Ryan Ham. And this week we are going to be talking about Thanos, a character who has been in the news a little bit lately. I think this is our, is this our first... Of at least Cape Town, our first like actual villain episode that we're talking about a bad guy. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah, we it's don't even have that many bad this. guys. Even in the previous, even in the old iteration, in the in it's a bird, it's a plane days. I think we had a Joker episode, but I don't know. We're we're in a bad mood this week, and we're talking about bad people. Uh, before we get into that, we're going to be talking about the news. There's kind of a lot of it this week. What was on y'all's radar? I'm really like I think one of the biggest things for me was. Um, the Marvel's uh, July's solicits came out and we talked about this a few weeks ago um, about ta Coates is hopping on Captain America. Nick Spencer is uh, moving over to amazing Spider-Man, which I'm super excited about. Uh, those are like my two like standouts, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, I feel like it's going to be like a big relaunch of uh, Marvel's comics that I'm actually really excited about. Uh, we've kind of made fun of how much they've relaunched the lines over the past few years. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I am a little bit more optimistic just because I feel like they did a huge creative shuffle mm-hmm. on some of these characters. So yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see where it's going. It was interesting to me because I was like, I haven't been super up to date on uh, what events are coming up. So they ha- they actually have an event with Thanos called Infinity Wars uh, coming out, which just kind of like it makes total sense. But like I don't, th- I had to like really hit the back of my head to get my eyes to come back forward. It would just like <laughs> it, like I get the idea. Like they want they want to be able to pull in people who are seeing this movie. Um, sure. And I guess like I'm a huge uh, example of like it works like it works when it happens because like I I got back into comics uh, after the Avengers movie in 2012 so um, so yeah I know that it works and I I'm glad that they're doing that I just want to really get story and I, I I hope that they don't just continuously run Thanos and Infinity Stones into the ground. How many Infinity events? Thanos-centric events with Infinity in the title are there at this point? There's Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity... Infinity War. Infinity War. Infinity Crusade. Quest, Infinity Crusade. And I think Infinity Countdown is happening right now, which is leading up to Infinity Wars, plural. Yeah, that's it. That's not confusing. It's a good thing. It would be really hard. I'm glad that Marvel's trying to make this just a simple entry point. And then there's just Infinity. Of course. And then there's just Infinity, which I think is actually my favorite of the bunch. Oh, yeah. 100%. I really like that yeah. one a lot. Yeah. That's written by Jonathan Hickman. When, yeah, when you search for it on Marvel Unlimited, you get Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet, and Infinity War. So it's not totally confusing. Well, no, because what's the, what's the one after? Because there was, like, Infinity Gauntlet had two sequels. There was Infinity War and then Infinity Crusade, right? Yeah. Yes, uh, I have. Yeah, because Infinity Crusade <laughs> is where like <laughs> spoilers from 1993. Everyone, uh, 
Infinity Crusade, I think, is the one where there's like uh, where Adam Warlock becomes the Magus or Magus, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we have to fight against him. Well, Infinity Gauntlet was like 1991, right? Yeah, and that was the first one, and it was the one yeah. that's probably going to be most directly uh, source material for the upcoming for the movie for Infinity War, the movie, which is separate from Infinity War, the comic book. I feel like we're making it more complicated than it is. The movie is called Infinity War, which is based, I don't know. Oh, and we have an entire episode. Yeah, we're, we're getting guy, a little bit so. ahead of ourselves, but we do explain some of these things coming up in the up in the upcoming episode. Um, but there is a Marvel Comics event called Infinity Wars right now, and it has to do with Thanos. Like you said, this is get all, July is also going to see Captain America taken over by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Lanielle Francis. I am um, actually getting more excited about the Amazing Spider-Man takeover from Nick Spencer. I like Nick Spencer quite a bit. He's a little bit controversial in some writing circles because he does have some stories that just kind of fall flat. But I think when he, he's at his best when he's doing comedy and Spider-Man lends himself really well to... Spencer's sensibilities. I have not in the past loved Ryan Otley's artwork. I'm not a huge fan of Invincible, which is the image comic that he's coming from, but I really like what I've seen so far of Spider-Man. It looks super cool. Yeah. I think it's going to give it some of like his old school. Like I think what people have been calling for ever since Peter Parker kind of went this Tony Stark Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that this is just going to bring it back to his roots and like bring him back to New York and uh, give us some good uh, new Spidey stories. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's also going to be in July, they're going to kick off what's probably going to be the first of many Captain Marvel-centric events as they start gearing up for her movie next year. And uh, all we have right now is artwork for those, but they look good. Any other big solicits that are looking good? Is Fantastic Four starting in July? Not, I think it starts in August. Yeah, that was okay. a, yeah, that was a later later in the year. Also, just looking through the solicits, uh, I do not know anything about it, so it may be terrible. But the artwork for Cosmic Ghost Rider looks like it. Really <laughs> Cosmic Ghost Rider. It, there's a lot. We're getting a lot of teases to the main event because Cosmic Ghost Rider is a character that you'll see introduced later in Thanos' current ongoing series. Excuse me, his series just wrapped up this uh, a couple weeks ago. But if you continue to read Thanos, which is being written by Donny Cates right now, then Cosmic Ghost Rider is a new character from the future who is actually like one of the my favorite characters that's been introduced in Marvel and so far this year. And uh, he is a character that you already know, but I think the twist is just too good to give away. I'm actually really ticked off because if you Google Cosmic Ghost Rider... Literally, it spoils it on the first, <laughs> well, the first yeah. article. Don't Google Cosmic Ghost Rider because the Ghost Rider power goes to a different superhero in the Marvel Universe, and they leave it kind of a surprise on the comics for a few issues. Chris has spoiled it for himself, but you don't have to spoil it for yourself. Instead of Googling Cosmic Ghost Rider, just go just start reading Thanos. Yep. Which, again, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Let's move to different news, <laughs> otherwise we're going to make a skit of Wait, I was, this is not really a solicitation, but uh, Gail Simone also came out with Domino this month. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Domino came out. I haven't dug into it yet. Yeah, uh, really good. I mean, it's just the first issue so far that's out right now. I think the next one comes out probably in a few weeks. Um, but it was really good. I mean, it's obviously just one issue, so there's not a whole lot... Uh, it's like a glean from it other than I really enjoyed it and I highly recommend it. Gail's great. She's a great writer. Gail Simone. Is, yeah. She just doesn't really miss for me. I'm excited. to. I would love to have her on the podcast. Gail, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. Can't wait to have you on board. 
Some directing news for DC today. DC has been doing a pretty good job lining up directors. I hope it pays off the movies. Last time we talked about how Ava DuVernay is going to be directing New Gods for them. This week, two big announcements. The first one is Kath Yan, a director who is coming off of the Sundance circuit with some very well-reviewed movies, is going to be directing Birds of Prey, which is going to be sort of a Harley Quinn-centric spinoff from the Suicide Squad movies. Evidently, Margot Robbie was very insistent that whoever directed Birds of Prey needed to be a woman. Kathy Yan evidently said yes. Birds of Prey will probably also feature Poison Ivy. Uh, we don't have an official uh, note on that yet. And, and traditionally, The Huntress is also in there as well. Possibly Batgirl, too. Um, I haven't seen any of Kathy Yan's movies, so I can't speak to whether or not she's any good. I do think it's interesting that there's an increasing number of big budget superhero movies that are getting to these very new directors who are coming off of very low budget movies. The same thing happened with Homecoming where you get one pretty solid indie flick out and the next thing you know, you're dealing with these huge budgets. I feel like as somebody who's never directed any movies, that would be a really different experience and a huge challenge, but it worked out great for Homecoming. So maybe they know what they're doing. Finally. Sidebar on Homecoming, where Elise and I are doing our whole uh, Marvel reroll. Oh, you're watching all the Marvel movies again before Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. And we watched Civil War last night, and I think we're going to just like kind of go jump ahead to Homecoming. And I just I can't wait. Have you seen it since the theaters? Several times. (laughs) (laughs) Several times. But it's it's been so much fun actually watching it all with Elise again, Mm -hmm. like. Yeah, I don't know. I think I know we'll get into it a bit as far as like how Thanos and stuff has been set up, but like, yeah, to really kind of like dive into like some of the core things that like I just read about a ton and like to discuss them with Elise mm-hmm. and just also see the overall joy that she has. Uh, it, it is really fun. So, but I'll yeah. take your word for it. Yeah. Elise and I got into it on Twitter a little bit last night. It was a little testy, but. It was when it was about Civil War, which is an important Marvel movie for me. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad to hear that she's evidently enjoying it, despite what it seemed like to me at the time. <laughs> uh, let's see. Anything else on y'all's radar for news this week? I came across a news article. Apparently, the Russo brothers, the uh, directors uh, who are most famous for some episodes of Arrested Development, <laughs> uh, did an interview with Yahoo Movies and said that we will not know the title of Avengers 4 even after the credits roll of Infinity War, which I think a lot of people, me included, sort of assumed that you know the closing shot of Infinity War would have a dead Captain America hand and then the title for Avengers 4 would uh, show up. Don't sorry, sorry. say it. Don't put it into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or it would say Captain America will return in Avengers, right. and Avengers colon the death of Captain America. So yeah, anyway, so, so <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's crazy like I looked up to make sure I wasn't forgetting something and uh Avengers 4 comes out in a year. Uh, yeah, that's wild. I think they already wrapped filming on it. Yeah, yeah, they wrapped in January. So it's pretty crazy that you know, especially in this era of a huge budget Disney movie that we don't even know a title uh, a year out because usually this is about the point where people are clamoring for a trailer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's true. Actually, what movies are coming out between now and Avengers Four? Ant Man, Ant Man, Wasp. Wasp, Captain Marvel. Cap is Captain Marvel coming out before yeah. Avengers Four? I think Captain Marvel is it before? I thought it was after. 
Oh, no, you're right. It's before. It's two months before. Okay. So Captain Marvel comes out in March. I wonder if they're waiting for, uh, like, some of these newer films to come out. Like, you know, like Wasp, Captain Marvel, and new characters. I don't know if they're going to incorporate them into the next one, but maybe they're waiting for some of these other movies to come out before they think of the title. Because rumor has it, Captain Marvel will be introduced in Ant-Man and the Wasp, potentially. So, which is a good thing for Ant-Man and the Wasp because that's about the only chance that movie has to be like, to register as an important film. I like the first Ant-Man movie, but man, after Black Panther and Infinity War, it just really yeah. is an uphill climb for that movie to grab anybody's attention. Oh, we absolutely skipped it. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. The real, it, was, like, it was a perfectly fine movie. It's a fine movie. I didn't mind it at all, but it just, the caliber of, of hype around that one is going to be really tough to match. And I would have to assume Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige know that. I enjoyed that movie as a comedy more than like, I I was like put in that category more than I do a superhero movie because it's really funny, um, but it's, it, it doesn't exactly come up to the same level in terms of like Captain America, Iron Man, you know? There's just two different playing fields. I wish they'd just give Michael Pena his own movie. <laughs> <laughs> or his Netflix series. He was so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a great part of that. Uh, speaking of Netflix, Jessica Jones is going to get a season three, I suppose. That surprises me, but but I'm glad that everybody's, I'm glad for anybody getting work uh, in this economy right now. <laughs> The other, we neglected to mention that the other DC movie, this was just announced today, uh, the, the other DC movie that got a new director is a DC property called Blackhawk is going to be directed by another indie director who's making a leap to the big time, Steven Spielberg. When I texted you guys this news, I think we were all on the same page wondering who is Blackhawk. And it turns out it's more of a what because Black Hawk was like a World War II group of fighter pilots, evidently. It is not a super well-known property. Ryan, you have your own theory. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Black Hawk is code for Superman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ryan is living in his own little world, but that's okay. We'll let him We'll let him hang out there. We don't want to burst his bubble. <laughs> it sounds like Ryan's making another old-fashioned over there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi, like Return of the Jedi had that working title Blue Harvest to kind of throw everyone off. So Superman is Blackhawk. And that's going to be what, you know, what they talk about to Entertainment Weekly for the next two years. And then all of a sudden, uh, we're going to get a trailer where uh, Tom Cruise is uh, Jonathan Kent. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and Tom Hanks is uh, Jorah. So you, this is this is a long con here. Yeah, All right. exactly. Well, thanks for that take, Ryan. That's why people tune into Cape Town <laughs> to get the real scoop on what's good. Don't believe the the fake news, oh. the, the fake mass media out there wants you to believe Spielberg's directing a Black Hawk movie. Come here for the real stuff. Well, well, if it is a Black Hawk movie and actually is the Black Hawk, like I guess he's not a character. Whatever. I don't know enough about it, but he, but Steven Spielberg is like definitely very passionate about like the greatest generation uh, type of movie. Yeah. So if that's really what it's about and I don't want to jinx it, Ryan, but if that's what it's about, I think he's, I think I'm curious to see what he does. Cause it's also like very different from all the other, the style of the movies that they're telling. I feel like in DC right now, they're all pretty modern uh, CGI heavy films, which I don't know. It seems a little different. It's interesting to feel like I feel like DC is kind of scrambling a little bit. They know what they're doing isn't working. 
Justice League really fell flat. And that was probably their last chance to really say, we're going to write the ship here. And, and they didn't. So now we've got a Birds of Prey movie. We've got New Gods uh, and Blackhawk, which are two properties that are not super well known outside of the hardcore DC fan community. So it could be that they've decided to let Marvel own the the strictly superhero genre and are branching out into other sort of more niche genres. It'll just kind of depend on what they want to do. And maybe they're just going to see which one of these really does well and, and follow it from there. It's an interesting technique. I don't know. I feel like this is a better, there's, I feel like this is a better technique than trying to save what they already have. Cause what they have is probably past the point of really being rescued. Like I was just going to say, it feels like there are 700,000 DC movies in development. Yeah. And like, I completely forgot that there was even a new gods movie that had been announced. And that was just like, what a month ago, there's supposedly they, a Todd Phillips Joker movie as well. Actually starting right. Joaquin Phoenix. With, with Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. <laughs> I feel like there are just a million plates spinning and, you know, maybe, and we've talked about this kind of at length, so I won't go into it too much, but, you know, I, I think this again shows that I think Marvel's secret weapon all along is less the characters and more Kevin Feige just to have one person kind of shepherding all this stuff. Because I don't know if you guys remember like the, that event they had in Hollywood really like unveiled Marvel phase three um, you know, and they like showed all the logos off and that was the first time we got like the infinity war confirmation. Yeah. Like three or four years ago. Yeah. But just like the ability to show like, yeah, like, Hey, here's the next five years. Here's their release dates. Here's what they're going to be. And then like everyone loses it. And I feel like that's just what DC has been missing. Like, it feels like they're almost taking a shotgun blast approach right now where it's like, Hey, how are you guys liking this? And it almost feels like if we don't respond to something positively on Twitter, that it's just not going to get made. Yeah, it seems like their vision is uh, dumpster fire. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But it does. It really does. Hot takes. It's made me realize that what Marvel's doing is a lot harder than it looks. And and what Kevin Feige, I think especially Kevin Feige, who's in charge of Marvel Studios, has pulled off is something that a lot of companies have tried to pull off. There's the Star Wars expanded universe. There is DC, obviously. There was the very short-lived attempt at a dark universe with like the mummy and uh frankenstein that i don't think is going to be happening at all now uh i think you mean frankenstein's monster (laughs) (laughs) i tried to say that in an extremely english nerd voice but it's impressive how few really very few mrs marvel has and i think people are aware that what marvel's doing has been very successful obviously and it's really just entering kind of a black panther is the most successful one they've done yet so it, it's possible that they're going to they're going to crash at some point. I don't think this is sustainable in the long term, but it's pretty impressive to see what they're pulling off right now. The one miss has maybe been the Netflix series have not been as consistently good as the movies have been, but they haven't been terrible other than Iron Fist. Yeah, I'm trying to say something that doesn't need to be saving. <laughs> and the next, the real test, I think, of their uh, of Infinity War is going to be Thanos, the character we're going to be talking about today, a character that they've been building since 2012 with the first Avengers movie. The first thing we'll get into more of the the history of Thanos and who Thanos actually is in a minute here. I'm curious how you all feel about how. How good of a job do you think Marvel has done in terms of building Thanos as a believably 
serious galactic threat over the past six years now? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it kind of depends on who you ask. I think for people like us uh, who have watched all of these movies, uh, definitely, I, I think that they've teased us the last six years with big references to Thanos, starting in Guardian, or I guess starting in Avengers, but like really Guardians of the Galaxy was like our first like real hint that he was a real big danger like you saw fear in many people's eyes when they were discussing like talking about uh thanos so yeah you got you got this idea of a strength and that was the when you actually got a full shot of him uh when him and ronan are talking so yeah i think like i think for people who have just kept up from from the start absolutely i think you're gonna have a good idea of who thanos is uh, but i know that there are so many people who just like might have missed a movie here or there who just like they could potentially just see Thanos as your run of the mill villain. The stake of him just like, isn't too much. It's been interesting going through the movies again with Elise and like, and seeing her like actually be and like noticing like how pieces are fitting together <laughs> and like kind of understanding the greater threat. I guess my hope is if you haven't been following along uh, with these movies closely, like, you'll actually be able to still understand like how big of a threat this, this is. And I hope it doesn't come with just the play of like a superhero death. I think that that's what so many people are anticipating mm-hmm. uh, with this. Uh, but there are so many theories about what's going to happen just right out of the gate when Thanos arrives and he arrives with this black order uh, and some potential immediate uh, deaths that we will see just to kind of give that gravity to who he is. So I don't know. I'm. I mean, I think like being on board as a comic book fan, I'm. I'm 100 like excited and like I, I've. I think like sticking around for every little piece of extra credit scene that you know hints towards Infinity Stone or hints towards Thanos. Like I'm really excited about it. Uh, so yeah, like, but I do think that there is like some potential for a miss there. I think that there is. It's going to be a little hard for us maybe to separate. As people who have been reading comics for a while who are aware that Thanos is in the Marvel Universe considered the the biggest bad in the Marvel Universe, to remember that for most people, unless you sat around for the closing credit scenes, you probably don't have a lot of familiar. All you maybe knows what this character looks like at this point. He did feature in Guardians of the Galaxy, but I actually thought that his appearance in Guardians was one of the weaker points of the first movie because it neither his uh, the CGI there or Josh Brolin's performance at that point really landed for me in a really intimidating way, the way I wanted something like Thanos' introduction to. I thought actually his uh, the, the brief appearances we've seen of him so far in the trailers for Infinity War have been a lot stronger. He, he seems very terrifying so far in those movies, and a lot is going to rest on how well they can build off of that. Hannah, Ryan, what do you guys think? My basic opinion is like the, the teases have been good. I thought he's pretty effective in the Guardians, the first Guardians movie as a villain, but I think that he looks like his physical look is so different from any other main character in all the other movies. Uh, like he, you know, obviously even in the comics, like he's just this larger than life villain. He's got that physical presence and he's got a mean look on his face. So like, there's, you look at him and like, you know, like that guy ain't good, but I wonder what's going to be like his motivating factor. Like what's his cause is I'm not sure I understand that. Yet. Obviously it's acquiring the stones. But like, why is he acquiring the stones? Like, I wonder if they're going to, 
change it up in the movies from where it was in the comics. Um, but I feel like the motivation is is where I'm I'm curious and wondering if they're going to change direction a little bit. But I think I, I, I enjoyed the teases. I'm not sure that I have like a strong opinion either way yet. Especially coming off of Black Panther, where Killmonger was such a good villain, one of Marvel's better attempts at a villain. But as Ryan and I were discussing earlier today, Killmonger is a very different villain than Thanos because the strength of Killmonger was that he... He had a point. Like you could really, like, you could kind of listen to Killmonger's monologues. It was really hard to push back on a lot of what he was saying, and that is just not the case with Thanos, who in the in the comics and it sounds like in the movies, just wants to be uh, an intergalactic mass murderer, uh, a terrorist. So it's it's a little bit easier to make a believably effective villain when the villain's motivation is something that's sort of sympathetic and relatable. And it's a lot harder with somebody like Thanos where their goal is just so he, the scope of it is so huge that it has no real, it can lack intimacy. A lot of times it can lack a, there's only so many times you can see a universe challenging threat or something, hear the words like he's going to destroy everybody on earth before you start to feel like, well, that doesn't really feel like, believable stakes for me. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I was hot take here, but I like I think that there's some parallels you could draw uh, from Thanos to like a villain like Voldemort. Oh, interesting. Where, like you don't really sympathize with Voldemort's cause at all. You know, like he's just kind of like all powerful uh, or seeking to be all powerful, wants to be this godlike entity, um, but still makes a very formidable villain whom adds to the story. So I wonder if it's less I wonder if it's less about what Thanos wants as much as like how his presence, how it challenges the superheroes that we already have come to love and appreciate in the movies. I think that'll be a big, a big thing. Cause I, I feel like something I think all of us have talked about loving about comics is, you know, almost the simplicity of having this very clear cut, you know, hero versus villain situation. And that's, and that's why these events are fun. Even in the comic world is like, you know, you have, you have all the petty squabbles of the regular books and those are all, those can be really good and really powerful and move the story along in some really cool ways. But then when you have in the events book, like they all have to team up and fight against this common villain who's sort of larger than life. And, you know, and I, I think aside from maybe Ronan and guardians of the galaxy, which like was not good. Uh, they haven't really had a villain who's, who's been a serious threat on like a galactic level like Thanos is this is a spoiler for 1991 but you know in the first issue of Infinity Gauntlet when he snaps his fingers and destroys half the life in the universe like if they have him do that in the movie or something like that I think that immediately sets him apart from every other Marvel villain which I you know is kind of a recognized weakness of most of the movies you know I, I think they have a real opportunity here to create their own Voldemort or maybe their own Umber Palpatine where it's just this being of pure evil and we don't really need a motivation because it's just nice sometimes to see good guys like and beat up on a bad guy. <laughs> or get beat up by bad guys as the case may be. We're talking a lot about a character who obviously has a, a very long history that is that is a little bit complicated and that's something that we'll try to clear up a little bit next.
The idea of a recurring villain has always existed in literature. From Satan to the Sheriff of Nottingham to Captain Hook, our heroes have always been marked by great adversaries. You could even make the argument that creatures of lore like the Abominable Snowman or the Jersey Devil have their roots in the notion of a recurring villain. Good ideas tend to stick, and there's something thrilling about a bad guy who never seems to go away, whether it's Beelzebub or the Big Bad Wolf. That last one, The Big Bad Wolf, has actually given us our current name for the trope. It was Buffy the Vampire Slayer who first coined the term Big Bad for a substantial threat who transcended the villain of the week episodic structure. Usually, these bad guys took a whole season to contain. But comics are different. Life and death, real victory and real defeat, are very rare in comics. Death tends to be a relatively minor setback, and even the most crushing of victories is usually temporary. Joker breaks out of Arkham, Magneto is infuriated by another injustice against mutant kind, and just like that, a big bad is back at it. Few threats are ever really contained, some less so than others. Originally, Thanos wasn't really created to be Marvel's biggest bad. Writer-artist Jim Starlin didn't create him as a godlike villain. In fact, while Starlin would go on to become a well-regarded comic book artist, Thanos was one of his earliest creations, and Starlin didn't have a whole lot in mind for him at all. He'd gone to Marvel looking to get into comic books, editor Roy Thomas gave him a shot on a one-off Iron Man comic, and Starlin came up with two characters, Drax, who everyone now knows as a member of Guardians of the Galaxy, and Thanos. Truth be told, early on, a lot of fans suspected that Starlin had copied Thanos from DC Comics' Darkseid. The two looked pretty similar, and Starlin is an avowed fan of New Gods, where Darkseid was appearing at the time. But interestingly, Starlin said that it was actually a different character who inspired Thanos, a lesser-known DC hero named Metron. It was his editor, Roy Thomas, who took one look at Starlin's Thanos character and said, Beef him up! If you're going to rip off the new gods, at least rip off Darkseid, the really good one. In his first appearance in 1973, Iron Man and his new pal Drax send Thanos packing with relative ease, but he showed up just a few months later in a Captain Marvel comic in which he proved to be a much more substantial threat. Still, the character didn't really stick and virtually vanished through much of the 80s. But he returned in a big way in 1990, where he appeared in the pages of Silver Surfer and was immediately established as being much more of a universal threat, obsessed with death, with abilities to rival Marvel's most powerful characters. It was becoming official. Nobody was bigger and nobody was badder than Thanos. It was that series that introduced the Infinity Gems, which the movies would rename the Infinity Stones, as the key to Thanos' goal of killing off half of all life in the universe. Further stories would establish that Thanos was in love with death, which manifested before him as a forever unattainable woman, while later stories would call into question whether or not this woman was real or a figment of Thanos' unstable mental state. She was real to him, and he fiercely believed that the only way to win her affections was to give her death. And this, perhaps, is what would grow to set Thanos apart from Marvel's myriad of big bads. While the likes of Magneto, Loki, and Killmonger would be sympathetic and occasionally even have common cause with our heroes, there was no good side to Thanos. He's not a relatable villain. He doesn't have any fair points. He's an intergalactic terrorist who is evil on a grand scale. While most bad guys who are bad for badness's sake can easily become dull caricatures, 
Thanos has generally remained an intriguing presence, if only for the fear he strikes into the hearts of anyone who hears his name. This concept has continued to be explored in more recent years. In 2013, Jonathan Hickman wrote a massive crossover event called Infinity, which introduced Thanos's collective of demigod henchmen known as the Black Order, each one of whom was nearly as fearsome an opponent as Thanos himself. And then 2016 kicked off Thanos' excellent solo series, in which he squared off with an older version of himself, who had succeeded at killing nearly everyone in the entire universe. It's fun and fascinating and shows just why Thanos is the big bad of the Marvel Universe. So as we mentioned earlier, there are a lot of infinity events surrounding Thanos. The most famous one, uh, the the best known one, and the one that really, as, as we said in the script, sort of established Thanos as this cosmic intergalactic level threat to not just Earth, but to every, every planet in the Marvel Universe, is the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, have any of you read Infinity Gauntlet all the way through? Not all the way through, no. Yeah, I've, re- I've read it. Ryan, you've read it earlier this week, right? You revisited it? Yeah, I revisited a couple of issues. I didn't make it quite through the whole thing. It's long for us, but it's like a 90s crossover yeah, when that, yeah. those weren't quite as in vogue. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of 90s comics, it tends to be really dense uh, with dialogue. So it just takes a lot longer than they were. They were not of the they were not a fan of the show. Don't tell uh, <laughs> mindset, I think, in the in 90s Marvel. I will say um, uh, so Jim Starlin wrote Infinity Gauntlet. And I think the actual like dialogue and the writing holds up less well than the art does. Um, the art was done by George Perez, who I think is most known for his work on Wonder Woman. And his artwork is incredible. Man, George Perez, man. That guy cuts no corners in his artwork. It's just so detailed. Has always been so detailed. And even like the covers for Infinity Gauntlet are incredible. But yeah, I mean, I think the panel-to-panel dialogue or storytelling is a little hit or miss. Um, and some of the characterizations a little hit or miss. But I think the ideas in Infinity Gauntlet are super cool. That was, again, you know, really before massive crossover events were such a huge thing. Um, and it was like kind of a risk because no one knew if it was actually going to work or not. So if you look... If you look and see, you know, now, like, whenever we have a crossover event, we assume that, like, you know, it's going to include, like, 16 titles. And basically, you're going to spend, like, $50 a month making sure you're tracking down every piece of the story. Um, but then they weren't sure how it was going to work. So it's, like, only some of their uh, shakier pieces were uh, – or not shakier, but only only a few titles had any kind of tie-in to Infinity Gauntlet, even though it's a story that encompasses the entire Marvel Universe ostensibly. So, you know, you had, like, Doctor Strange and the Incredible Hulk and I think a couple others that were crossover. But it, but it was just interesting to see, like, that kind of crossover event done at a different time. I'll also say that rereading it, it was interesting to see – like if Marvel decides that it wants to have every character in the Marvel universe, it can totally get away with like like writing off some of the Fox heroes or something because or or heroes like from the um like from the Netflix shows because like there's this panel or there's this page in Infinity Gauntlet number two I think where like I said earlier Thanos destroys half the life of the universe and it's all the heroes that are missing. It's <laughs> like, oh man! So really, all they have to do is show like a screen with like, "Hey, where's Wolverine? Oh, he's dead." And, it's, <laughs> and they they have all these brand new characters in a toy box to play with, and now they can all they have to do is put them in one still shot, and they're done. 
Do you think the reason that uh, that we haven't seen Hawkeye or Ant-Man in any of the promotional material is that is they're immediately killed with like a snap of the fingers? Uh, I mean, that could be the other thing that could be, and I don't want to get like too far into the rabbit hole, but, um, you know, it could be also, I'd forgotten that one of the big, uh, storylines in Infinity Gauntlet is, uh, Dr. Strange kind of traveling through the astral plane, like helping Adam Warlock kind of come to like, come into full embodiment of power. So, you know, if they're, if they're going after that and I doubt it would be Adam Warlock, I would guess it would be Captain Marvel. Um. So if, if they're going that route, you know, it could be that like Ant-Man and uh, Hawkeye are like on a quest to find help and, you know, they hear of Captain Marvel or something. And so that's where they go. So it could be something like that, or it could be that they die within the first. Like, <laughs> uh, something that we should probably clear up that, that I feel like is sort of like known and has been talked about in the MCU, but maybe has not been spelled out super clearly are the, what are called in the movies, the infinity stones. Uh, but in the comics are the infinity gems. Chris, as the person who's seen the movies the most recently, do you know the location we don't know where the soul stone is, right? Soul stone's the only one that we do not it's know. It's in the wind, but where are the rest of them currently? Uh, so the mind stone is with vision. Uh, I believe I'm trying to That's think. the one that sets the stone that's in vision's forehead. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Keeps yeah. him alive, maybe. Yeah. So the space stone is in the Tesseract, and that was last seen at the end of Thor Ragnarok. Loki has it. Loki has it. Power Stone is with the Nova Corpse on Xandar. Mm-hmm. We saw it at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. I believe the Collector still has... Uh, he still has the weird yeah, mist from Thor Real- 2. Reality Stone. Reality, yeah. that's right. That's, that's right. Uh, Benicio then, Del Toro's character from yeah, yeah. Guardians. He still has that stone. And then the Time Stone is with uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, that's right, because he's the that's what he has hanging around his neck. Yeah, you may have said this, and I missed it. What's the one Vision has? The Mind Stone. Mind Stone. Mind Stone. Okay. And in the comics, anyway, as far as we know, there is a there's a gauntlet, that golden glove that Thanos is always carrying around. And when you put those all together on the gauntlet, that it becomes sort of like the uh, like the One Ring in Lord of the Rings. That it becomes a, a weapon of immense power that will at least in the comics, and as it has kind of been hinted, at least in the trailers, will allow Thanos to kill off half the life in the universe. Like we said in the script, in the comics, he does this because he's obsessed with death, which to him appears as a, as a woman who he's in love with. The movies have sort of hinted that they're not going to, unfortunately, I think, they're not going to be using like lady death or mistress death, as she's called in the comics, which I get because it is a little weird, but it's also just an insanely good motivation that really establishes Thanos is not just a very powerful evil being, but also somebody who's mentally unstable and is really capable of anything to uh, satiate his driving motivation. But if they don't want to get too wrapped up in personifying death as a woman, then uh, nobody could blame them because that's a very dark and B that's a lot to, a lot of ground to cover in one movie. And the movie, the Russos have said that Thanos is really the, the main character in infinity war, or they feel like he's the main character in infinity war, which seems to me like a smart way to establish a really powerful villain is to make him the center point. Since we're already very familiar with the Avengers and the guardians and what they're capable of. I think it's really good that they're going that direction. Cause um, 
I thought his his appearances so far have been good, but even just recounting where the Infinity Stones are, I've never felt like the movies have done a very good job setting up like who this guy is. Um, it felt it felt like most of the internet after the Avengers were, uh, you know, it was like spoiler about that <laughs> post credit scene and like basically giving a giant explainer about who Thanos was. But uh, you know, I also have you know, have been blown away to read all the news about how many pre-orders there are. So clearly people are interested in this movie regardless of whether or not it's set up Thanos well. So I think the movie will be well served by giving him a backstory. It'll just be interesting to see what they do with it because, you know, I think the, like you said, with Mistress Death, there's so much crazy stuff in Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, he kills Celestials at one point and it, like, it goes full bore into all the weird stuff in comics that I love. That we love, but it is very hard to... Well, they kind of dabbled with that in, in Doctor Strange. Right. They did. They've set the stage for it. I think that the best thing that they've done uh, with Thanos actually hasn't had him on screen at all, but has been a lot of Gamora and Nebula's talk about him in the Guardians movies as being raised by Thanos and how they were treated by him growing up. I, I think that some of the strongest Guardians moments were between the two of them and their their sibling rivalry and also just how much they hate Thanos and, and in Gamora's case, really fear Thanos. Yeah, but they're such awful characters that, like, <laughs> Both of them? Yeah. I know there's, like, people wow. that like Nebula. I, they're awful characters? Yeah. They're not awful characters. I'm kind of... I'm I'm truly kind of hopeful that Gamora bites it. Oh my, that's unbelievable! Sorry, I really like Gamora. I do too. She takes no shit, she, and I yeah, appreciate she's that. Not my Gamora. <laughs> 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 well, that I never know when you're going to come through with a hot take, Chris. <laughs> but I always know that when it's a real hot take, I'm going to like vehemently disagree with it. <laughs> I like them both. I don't. I I I feel like. <laughs> One of my favorite moments in Guardians 2 was Nebula talking about what she's going to do with the money that she gets. And what's his name? The other Reaver saying, I just thought you were going to go get a nice hat or something like that. Oh, Kirk from Gilmore Girls? Was that who it was? Yeah. yeah. It's Kirk from Gilmore Girls. I, but I it's, also, Sean, it's Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother. But I also learned things from you, Chris. And that's why, <laughs> that's why you're still in the podcast. This is really going off the rails. I know. We need to get it back to people. But I, that's something I did want to talk about. So you think, you hope that Gamora and or Nebula die? If we're talking about deaths, I think Tony and Steve are like the two go-tos. Um, but the beyond likeliest that, candidates for yeah, yeah, biting it. Yeah, like I think we will assume in Civil War that one of them would die. And I think that they've just built, there's been too much build up to it to like, for there not to be some sort of delivery. But I do think that early on, we're going to get a few deaths uh, to really showcase Thanos's power. Mm-hmm. Even maybe not even th- just Thanos, like his black order. I think that like they really have to make the black order beyond just villains uh, in this case. And so I think that they're also, I think that they could have a role to play in like really like driving home the threat of, who Thanos is and the black order and his hunt for the infinity stones. I've read some interesting theories about like who could go and why, but yeah, I, I honestly think, I honestly think that like with Anthony and Joe Russo both saying like people who you don't expect are going to die will die or like, you know, mm-hmm. like you just like, you won't, I like nobody has really guessed like what's going to happen. I feel like Gamora is like, 
I don't know. There's something about like watching the trailers and watching the connection that they try to make uh, with Thanos and young Gamora in like a really brief piece of that. Like I have a theory that we're going to see like some emotional buildup of the relationship that, and the favoritism that Thanos has with Gamora and then he will Hmm. take Gamora's life. So, and then guardians will be all the better for it. (laughs) Again with that brutal take. So, Cards on the table. The next time that we all get together to talk about this, uh, we'll have seen Infinity War, so we'll know. But who are you guys' picks for who's going to bite it? Who, if anybody's going to bite it in Infinity War? You can say that. I, I don't know why I've used bite it 17 I would have said it. I, that's how I would have put it, too. I'll give it's you that one. It's a expression. It's okay. I think, I know this is this is not what you guys have said, but I, I'm going to throw Thor out there. Ooh, wow. Uh, maybe. I'm going to go with Thor, and I'm going to go with Steve. As I don't know, I don't. I don't know necessarily want to say both of them, but either of them. I know you're right that Steve is the most likely. <laughs> I just don't want it to happen. <laughs> it hurts. It does. Why Thor? Why, why Thor? I'm curious because he's one eye down, and you might as well just kill the rest. <laughs> exactly. Of yeah. No. Um. I think that the future of Thor to me is like not very certain. Not that you could say that. I mean, you really could say it about a lot of the characters uh, after Civil War, but you know, like he doesn't really have a place with his people like he used to they kind of just like got rid of a lot of characters from the other thor movies like pretty haphazardly and ragnarok it's kind of a blank slate there i feel like they could do it and it would kind of fit the timeline with everything that they've presented in ragnarok um and also like in the comics you know doesn't doesn't jane become the next uh, the mighty thor right Jane does become does become Thor, but I feel like if anything, Ragnarok really set up Valkyrie to take o- to have her own series, which is why Thor feels a little more expendable now. Because I would love for a for a, I think a Valkyrie trilogy would be would be awesome, and uh, Tessa Thompson would obviously be great for that. She would, uh, and if they're willing to get Taika Waititi back to direct another series of movies with her, then then I'd be down for that. So I like Thor as a, I, I think he's a good candidate. I feel like Steve is also a good candidate, particularly because I, uh, unfortunately, I think because they have Sebastian Stan, they're waiting in the wings to sort of take over as the potentially the new Captain America. I don't think Sebastian Stan has the same charisma for the role that Chris Evans has, but I believe that Sebastian Stan does have more movies on his contract still before he's done. Well, even in the comic books, when Bucky took over for Mm -hmm. Steve, it was very like the tone of Captain America was very different. Mm -hmm. There was always a struggle of him wanting to embody what Steve represented. And he just, he knew he would never do that. Right. Um, So yeah, I think that there could be some interesting uh, angles that they could take that story. Um, of him trying to just kind of fill those shoes that like everybody knew Steve for and knew Captain America for. Yes. But Captain America as a idea is completely different in the cinematic universe versus what he represents true. in the comic. That's true. Ryan, predictions from you? So I think Steve is going to die, but I also think that he will be resurrected in Avengers 4. I think that we haven't had the big comic book thing where they kill a character and you're sad and then they're dead for like two years and then they come back. Um, but I think the contract thing makes it different uh, in the cinematic universe because obviously they're not just going to have him like around to film a bunch of stuff. So I think here's my prediction. And this is 
completely unwarranted and uninformed. I think he'll come back, but basically sign a Samuel L. Jackson type contract where he'll basically appear periodically as sort of like the new director of a new shield or something. Maybe he'll lose his powers or something. And just be an old war vet type guy. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like kind of like he was uh, in the events leading up to Nick Spencer's Captain America run. So he's basically like, you know, old dude who's overseeing, you know, kind of the new Avengers. So he'll basically be the sort of new uh, leader of the team, but he won't like have to appear in every movie. So he could be like played by Robert De Niro or something. Well, I, I think they'll just have Chris Evans. An age Chris yeah, Evans played. CGI, yeah. And then I think in Avengers 4, Iron Man will die. Uh, maybe Thor. But yeah, I think there will be like a couple of minor characters. But I feel like ever since they killed Quicksilver in Age of Ultron, they like actually need to pony up and kill a main character. Because um, that felt like super unearned. That was nobody cared. Yeah. Shout outs to Quicksilver. So yeah, I, I think they need I think they need to actually do something that matters. Um they also like there could be a chance that like the first now that I'm saying it, I think this might actually happen. Like maybe the first character that Thanos kills is Hulk. Basically, because we haven't seen anyone challenge Hulk so far in any of the movies, like when he's fully transformed. So maybe like as a demonstration of power, the first thing Thanos does is just, you know, punch Hulk into the sun or something. Which I feel awesome. like Hulk is a I feel like Hulk is more of a contender than people give it credit for. I think Steve is definitely a contender. Iron Man is an interesting one because he hasn't been brought up much and it seems like Robert Downey Jr. is getting a little tired of the role. So I can see him biting it in <laughs> in this one or in Avengers Four. He's been having a lot of fun at the fan screenings. Though. Yeah, he has been. And I think that Marvel would probably love to keep him around if possible, if only to drop him into a Spider-Man sequel here and there. Here's a hot take, though, is that I think he'll die in Avengers 4, but I think that then I think he'll be Jarvis 2.0. Oh, interesting. So we'll still have the Robert Downey Jr. Oh, so he'll just pop up as like, he could just show up on a Saturday afternoon, record his part in the future Avengers movies and head back out. Exactly. We kind of saw a bit of that in Civil War 2. Uh, the comic book. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We so, did. That's true. Interesting. Uh, th- Black Widow. She's safe. I think she's safe. Yeah, I think she's safe here's too. The thing. If St- if Steve dies, I need him dying in her arms and them confessing their love. To one I'm another. already crying. That, that is the dumbest <laughs> shit. That is not. That's <laughs> not gonna happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> oh God, you guys hate me. Um, we don't hate you. It's obviously Agent 13. Agent 13. The best romance easily in any of these movies. When I watched them making their connection in Civil War, I was just like, this doesn't mean anything to me. She remains the only person I think he's ever kissed. Oh, no. No, no, No. that's not true. He kissed... Winter Soldier. He kissed Winter Soldier. He kissed. <laughs> it's happened. We know it's happened. It's not on the movies, but we're, we all know it's happened, and it's okay. It's good. It's a good thing. Elise is huge on the like a potential Steve Bucky. Oh, she like, she yeah. Well, that's yeah, a big yeah. deal on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Well, not even like fanfic. Like she has legitimate reasons for like why Steve would go to the links he does to protect Bucky. Or like to save Bucky the way it's like a romantic thing. It's like an actual, like a true, like beyond friendship love. 
All I'm saying is I know the two have kissed. I believe that in my heart. <laughs> I don't think it, it may have been a one-time thing, like, let's just get this out of the way and see if we feel anything. Or it may be something much more long-term and committed. I don't know. Just, uh, like, wrap that up. He kissed the woman who ended up playing. She was in Game of Thrones. I'm blanking on her. Natalie Dormer. Oh, that's true. He did get, but that was in World War II. That was like a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Natalie Dormer, Scarlett Johansson. He never kissed. Oh, he yeah. did. He yeah. 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 And Winter Soldier, like you said. Guys, yeah. come on. Come on. <laughs> it was a distraction. It was a distraction. It's a distraction Many of my of heart. Us, who among us has not distracted somebody? By- yeah, but they felt the spark. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. I also think that we would have a lot better idea, and uh, like obviously, like who lives d- depending on what the next event is. Because um, clearly they're going to you know, do another one of these massive crossover movies. So, like, you know, I think Thor is a good candidate, but also, like, they're super well set up to do Siege if they want to do that. Um, and then they need Thor. Or, or if they do Fear itself, they need Thor. It all depends on what is kind of the next big thing that they start setting Which up for. Which is probably why they're not telling us. They're not giving us the name of, uh, right. of the next event. Maybe. Right. Is this, uh, is this scene of Nick Fury? Hmm. So you're going to keep Samuel L. coming back for more? Why wouldn't you? If you were him, why wouldn't you? I think we'll get sword in this. Oh, okay. We'll get sword in the comics is sort of the analog to shield, uh, different interplanetary uh, that has to do a little more to do with space, right? The deal with interplanetary threats yes. instead of just global like threats. Yeah. Oh man, Chris is speaking my language now. <laughs> that means the next event will be annihilation, and then I can die. <laughs> then we probably will because it's going to be twenty years from now. It's going to take a long time to get all this to happen again. Well, we will yeah, get ready. Get ready for our three hour podcast on Marvel <laughs> Cosmic, by the way. Well, we will know more about this next time we all get together to recap Infinity War. Are we wrapping up? I think we're unless you have any other predictions, any other hot takes you want. Uh, no, 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 no. I just have a joke. What was uh, Thanos' favorite book in college? I don't know. Infinity, Infinity Jest. Jest. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, we're trying to gauge you. We're trying to get. <laughs> This is why we don't have. This is why we don't have sponsors. Yeah, we have no sponsors. We're not going to touch yeah. this with a ten foot. <laughs> Me undies just heard that joke, and they were they had their finger were, ready to dial. And it was, I don't even want to be on this podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think I will at least rename the episode Infinity Jest. <laughs> um, and with that, we better wrap it up before we have any more of this. Uh, I'll plug, right, I, I mentioned it earlier on, but the the current series that just wrapped up, it's only 16 issues with Thanos. Uh, it is, it's just called Thanos. It starts out being written by Jeff Lemire uh, about 12 issues in. It's taken over by Donnie Cates. It's a really, really excellent. I like the second half a lot better, but the, but the entire thing is really, really strong. It also introduced Introduces some, for the first time in a while, some brand new characters into the Marvel Universe. We've got Cosmic Ghost Rider, who's getting his own series in July. And uh, there's also, I'll, I'll tease a new era of the Silver Surfer that is introduced later on in those comments. It's a, it's a really, really strong series. It's well worth your time. And most of it is on Marvel Unlimited right now. Man, it's a, it's a long haul, but Jonathan Hickman's Infinity, I feel like, is... One of my favorite all-time events. Yeah. It's just great. It has some characters that are going to be in Infinity War that I don't think have been in any other comics necessarily until Hickman introduced them, like the Black Order. The Black Order, who are sort of Thanos's uh, intergalactic demigod, pirate, terrorist, henchmen, and henchwomen. 
they're awesome new characters. I think we did a great job with them. I will put in a plug for uh, tying into Infinity or yeah, Infinity Thanos Rising was really good. Uh, Jason Aaron's series kind of giving a nice backstory on Thanos. So if you're curious about like where the character came from, read that instead of the terrible Thanos Quest series from the 90s. Don't read <laughs> Thanos Quest. Uh, and then also my favorite one is actually part of the Marvel Cosmic cycle by uh, Abnett Lanning is the Thanos Imperative. But don't read that until you've like done War of Kings and Annihilation and all that stuff. Uh, but it's really, really good. There's a ton out there and it's all very uh, interconnected. So it's really difficult to, to know where to start with some of these things. These are all pretty good, easy entry points. Infinity the Thanos series itself. Infinity Gauntlet isn't super hard to get into. All this is readily, readily available on Marvel Unlimited. So check it out. Read it. You have you have a week to read it before you see Infinity War. And with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks for listening. Anybody who wants to uh, follow us or talk to us, you can find us on Cape Town Pod on Twitter. Uh, same thing on Facebook. You can also email us if you're old school like that. We're at capetownpod at gmail.com. And uh, I want to give a thanks and a shout out to CMS Studios. Chad Michael Snavely and Jesse are the ones who edit this and keep us sounding good. And we'll be back in two weeks to talk a little bit about Infinity War and a brand new character. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chris Shumblett. I'm Hannah Mazzell. And I'm Ryan Ham. We'll see you next time. Bye.